In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Sammy Sage I'm having a relationship with my pizza and Aileen Drexler I'm gonna make you girls a hump day treat in a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram Just doing my workout Tuesday's arms and back but feels anything but in real life Is butter a carb? Yes This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie from people who understand the struggle I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet Hello, and welcome back to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy, and today I am joined by an extremely exciting guest. I'm joined by influencer, businesswoman, and plus-size model, Katie Lee. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited. Hi. So I'm thrilled to get to talk to you. I love your Instagram. It is super relatable and just, you know, just you're an easy, positive follow. So I'm glad that we get to chat today. It's so weird because I'm from like a small town. So when people are like, oh, I really like your stuff. I'm like, really? You do? You know, it's like, it's, it's always nice to hear. Yeah. I actually, I actually feel like that can kind of be an advantage because you're like a normal unaffected person. From, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for saying, I, I like when people say that. Cause it's like, that's my, my main goal is always to be normal and authentic and not to be like, you know, how people are fake perceiving themselves on social media. So that's really good news that you're telling me that. (laughs) Yeah. We'll definitely get into, you know, the sort of influencer life of it all. So what I wanted to kind of just, I guess, to start, do you mind kind of like telling people how you got involved in what you're doing now and how you transitioned from, you know, a real full-time job, quote unquote, to a, you know, a really awesome influencer? It's honestly super crazy. I mean, I was in college. I was interning um, at Viacom. I actually worked at BET interning for two years. And that was just like, I I come from Alpitas, California. It's between San Jose and Fremont, a very small thing. So even to be in like the TV industry was like a big deal for like me and my family and my community. And um, I already thought that was weird and interesting. Right. Um, And then, you know, I just kind of was, I thought I was going to be a publicist. So I was working with a lot of talent and a lot of shows and all of that stuff. And then, um, you know, I was just starting off. I wasn't making that much money when you kind of start off as a coordinator. And um, I think things just kind of, everything happens for a reason. I started this job. My roommate and I were looking for a sofa. Um, She found it off Craigslist and I went to like I went to go pick it up and this girl's like, yeah, I'm moving. I'm going to New York. And I was like, so no- as a publicist, you're kind of nosy. You're kind of like, oh, so where are you going? What are you doing? And she's like, I'm a plus size model. I'm like a plus size model. Cause growing up, I've always been told, oh, you have a pretty face. And that's kind of stops <laughs> from there. And I was like, and my, actually um, my brother kind of did modeling school too. And so I, they didn't accept me. They accepted my brother. So I just knew it was because I was always a little bit more curvier and larger that I would never probably be able to do that. So it's like out of my mind. And so when she said that, I was like, 
a plus size model, like, do you make money off of that? Like, cause you know, we always think it's kind of scammy, like, cause you know, they had this school in Barbizon, it was called Barbizon and it was kind of scammy. So she's like, no, I make really good money. And I was struggling. I mean, I was asking my parents for money still. I had school loans, a car loan, um, rent and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay. And I sat in my car and then I was like, no, I need to go back and ask her how to do it. So I went back and I asked her and she literally gave me like the holy grail of how to become a model. And I just was lucky enough that I got signed um, within like a week. Yeah. It wow. Was, it was great. Yeah. That and is then, like, wow, that's a wild story. Like you just happened to meet Craigslist. this person through Craigslist. <laughs> I you know. Really, it just shows you never know like what might happen. You never know when everything happens in, with like for a reason and within time. So, um, you know, I worked so hard interning and doing all that stuff. I didn't want to let it go because, I mean, I was working for free for years <laughs> and I hadn't finally got a job and I'm building my resume. So I kind of was like, I'll do both because they tell you when you first start modeling, you're not going to go full time. It takes years for somebody to do that. Don't quit your day job. Um, but actually within three months, I quit. And I, um, I just was like, I was getting so much work. I think that a lot of people were looking for ambiguous women and women, and the curve thing was becoming a thing. And I just right time and it just went, it just kind of just flew. But I, I still was doing PR. I was still scared because I'm half Asian and my Asian dad was like, this is not real. And you need to like, still like you worked so hard. You went to school and like, you need to still keep up. And so, um, I still worked for BET part-time. I actually worked for, um, some of RuPaul's drag Queens and I used to, um, I worked for their management company and I managed a lot of their, um, they, they work, they, they go on tour. They are living their best lives. So I managed a lot of their, their press. And, um, and then eventually I started working for the shade room and I still was modeling. So, um, from that transition. And I think really like as a plus model, I was always an influencer in a sense, you know what I mean? Right. Cause people were so interested in it. They're like, I never heard of it. What are they doing? What are they doing as a model? So my lifestyle seemed really interesting to a lot of people. Um, and I mean, I, I'm pretty, I was pretty interested too. Like, what does a model really do? Because my idea of a model was completely different from how, what I was doing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I, mean, I just kind of, and then when COVID hit, it just was a perfect opportunity for me to really focus in um, on creative content and original content and content that helped me, you know, was really affecting me or like, you know, like style wise, I was doing a lot of things like um, this look in a size 14 and, um, I was trying to inspire people like, you know, you can really be fashionable. It doesn't matter what size you are. Just as like how creative you can be. And um, and then, then literally just after that, like I got started getting influencing jobs and I just was like, I got this gut feeling and I was like, you need to quit your you need to quit your job as a mar doing marketing and just go full time. I was working three jobs. I was basically a full time model, full time uh, CMO for the shade room. And then I was influencing on the weekends. So. That's so incredible. It really does feel like, you know, like it really feels like one of those stories that was kind of just like meant to be everything from like your brother having the modeling experience and you feeling like, oh, that's out of my reach, but you had sort of the basis for it and meeting this person. And then did your job, your jobs in marketing and at Viacom and at the Shade Room, did they help you sort of understand like once you did eventually go for influencing full time, like what it took and yeah. how to sell yourself 
so to speak. They were very supportive of it. Actually, all my bosses were like, yeah, go do your thing. Like they were super supportive and they worked around my schedule a lot. And that's why I was able to maintain so many positions, honestly, because I didn't have to clock in nine to five all the time. I mean, I was always having my computer with me, you know, on the makeup chair, answering emails on my breaks, answering emails in the morning at 5 a.m. and at night. So I I really was... overworking myself in a lot of ways, but they were super supportive and like, especially working. um, And I mean, with the drag queens, it's like, they're always into what's next. So like, they were like all about, like, like they kind of, I, that's where I kind of started learning about partnerships because they have partners with everybody. Right. That was kind of like my first introduction. And then I could kind of take that experience and move it to the shade room and the shade room. I literally created their advertising from the ground up. Um, And I think they're one of the only platforms that I know of that have multiple ads per day and do news on Instagram. And so I was able to know about value of what it is to have a lot of impressions and a lot of views and all that stuff, which then helped me carry that information and that experience onto myself and understand that value. That's really awesome. And I mean, I, you have really awesome partnerships and like really, I'm so lucky. I, 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 I'm shocked myself. I didn't think (laughs) that this was going to happen to me whatsoever. It's so funny. It's like when people say, what are you going to be or do in the next five years? It's like, it's how it's really, everything changes in five years, honestly. Like totally. If you told me five years ago that I was even going to be doing this, no. And if you told me five years, like as a publicist, that I wasn't even going to be a model, no. Like that wasn't going to happen. The five-year question is like so old-fashioned because time yeah. is so much quicker now. Like it should be like a one-year question at this point. Right. And also in the entertainment industry, honestly, you can do anything. You can make up a position. Literally, I've done that before. I'm like, this is what I think you need. I'm going to do this and that. Like, there's never just one thing. You can literally make it up. Um, So it's like kind of like when we're like, what are you going to do next? It's like, I don't know. I can make it up. You know what I mean? I know my value and people will probably just like be like, yeah, I want her to work with me and I'll just make this position up. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's that's really awesome. It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Smalls. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties, and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it risk-free. That means they'll completely refund you if your picky cat won't eat their food. Now is the time to make the switch to Smalls. Head to smalls.com slash DST and use promo code DST at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code DST for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code DST for 50% off your first order plus free shipping, baby. 
So, okay, go back to something you said about about modeling. You know, you said that, you know, you didn't really understand what it was like. And I I feel like I'm kind of in that same boat. Like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Bella Hadid, you know, she walks the runway and tries to not eat and, and gets, you know, a lot of cosmetic enhancements. So can you talk about what, like, the, what it really is like for you? What is, yeah, like, what's the day-to-day versus what's, yeah. like, the month-to-month? Well, I think, like, for people like Bella Hadid and Gigi and Kendall, their experience is quite different. Um, they're already famous and, you know, they're already famous and they're not really going through a lot what other models had to go through to start off to even get to that point. Like, maybe, like, what Ashley Graham had to do for years and years. But basically, there's, there's an e-com model, which is... When you're shopping online, you see you go to Forever 21, whatever store, Amazon even, and you see girls wearing the clothes. That's e-com modeling. That's like your daily bread and butter. Um, it's really it's hard. And it's, it's easy, but it's the easiest job, but the hardest because every day you have a different client. So you have to be on all the time. So you have to be happy, go lucky. You cannot have a bad day. And um, because if you have a bad day, they won't book you again. And you don't want to you don't want that to happen um, because they're your bread and butter. And then, you know, you they're touching you all the time and you might be wearing 80 to 100 outfits, 60, 30. And, you know, back in the day, I was doing 100 for for some brands and I'm wearing heels all day and maybe only get a 30 minute lunch. It's how many hours day. of a day? How, how many hours is a day? like? Sometimes that? you can get booked from eight to 12 hours. Wow. So it's like, it's not a standard nine to five. It's, you know, you're in hair and makeup. You are, then you're doing the photos. You're standing yeah, around, you're posing. Posing yeah. on your feet all day. It, it's very like mentally draining and sometimes physically because you're on your feet all day. Um, and then sometimes you'll, that's a, a lot of clients, but some, there's some clients that are way more chill. Like, you know, I love working with, my, with a lot of my chill clients cause it's just like an easy day They're, I mean, it's, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes it's super easy and sometimes it's just mentally and physically draining. Um, but the fact is, is that you can't have a bad day and that, you know, you could go to your regular nine to five and have sometimes an off day and you still have a job the next day. Not as a model, you cannot have a bad day. You can't have attitude. You can't have anything, um, and so like that, that's, I think is kind of what, you know, sucks a little bit. And if you don't want to be touched, I'm touched all the time. Meaning like they're fitting my clothes, you know, they're like, they're all up on me. They're tugging my hair. Some people, you know, sometimes they'll tug it too hard. They don't realize and you can't say anything. Like it's right. kind of like, you know, you have to yeah. be go happy and lucky. And then, and then there's editorial modeling and campaign modeling. And that's like what the magazines, or if you're doing more commercial work, like the old Navy and you're in store and those days are a little bit easy. They can be rough, but you have less shots usually that day. So you might only have three or four outfits, but you're mm-hmm. probably still there for the 12 hours or the eight hours per day. So how many days are you working in a month? Let's say. It's a roller coaster. So like when I first was starting, I was working sometimes five days per week, sometimes, you know, three or four times a month. It just, it, you never know. You really, you really don't know. For me right now, I'm focused on just campaigns because I'm full on influencing and I see more of a value in influencing than I do in modeling, to be quite honest. Um, it's more profitable and um, I can be myself. And that's another thing. You cannot be yourself as a model. You are being whoever your client wants you to be. I used to be at Nordstrom's wearing Moomoo's when I first started, because they didn't have really, like, if you think about it, like 10 years ago, I've been modeling for about nine to 10 years. They didn't have like, they didn't have the clothes that we have today. 
They right. had like we were modeling for older women that that, that well, older women looking clothes, which were like moo's square shirts, like nothing fashionable. Yeah, and I like the anything. old school side, like plus quote unquote yeah, sizes. I yeah, I couldn't say anything. And sometimes my makeup, um, majority of the time, my makeup is terrible. Like. Right terrible. My hair is terrible. And and also you have to factor into like, I'm mixed. And so um, even a lot of women of color have issues like where makeup artists don't know how to do our makeup and hair. You know, I'm lucky where I'm in between, but I don't always feel like I look my best. Um, and that can always like affect your work too. Cause you're like, oh, I don't really look good. And I have to like take photos. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, to me taking like one photo that needs to be like quality is a production. Like you know, so yeah. I can, and yeah. And if you can only imagine if you're working your dream client and your hair and makeup isn't like, you're like, what? And you can't say anything. And that right. I have a person out in this world. I like appreciate them, but don't, but they save every single photo I do. Like, so I don't know how they find them, but they find, they had my modeling photos from like eight, 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, these are horrid. And, and it's, it's in this, it's like in Pinterest. And yeah. I just like it. I'm like, you're so nice, but you're so mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Love those. Get rid of those. But yeah, I think like there's different types of models, but really the typical like everyday models, if you're not Bella um, or, you know, I know Ashley Graham had to go through this route is like you do e-com, you have some campaigns and like you pray for the best that you hope you get an opportunity um, to get editorial stuff. Right. Wow. I mean, it is grueling and it's so not aligned with, I think, like the past perception of modeling where it was just no, thought like, so oh, you just stand there and it's easy and glamorous, but actually yeah. it's labor. <laughs> it's labor. And like, okay, like, okay, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I would get flown out to London or Paris and like, you know, um, that's amazing and all, but you're also by yourself. Like I don't have- And you're working. You're not there. Working and you're- like I, you have to love being by yourself. Like, oh, I'm gonna go take a bus to go to this, you know, uh, the, to see the Eiffel Tower. Like, you have to be courageous enough to do that and be on your own. I would spend months and months in London, and I was like so like sad because like I'm by myself. I don't know the people. I don't know. I don't have friends, and like it just sucks. It's not as glamorous as what people think. You have right. to really be like, I started to make, I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going to sit at this house. I'm going to go to Paris for the weekend or Italy for the weekend because like, well, it's, 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 it's that sounds really glamorous, but it's really easy over there. It's only like an hour yeah. flight, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you have to yeah. really put yourself out there. Right. It's definitely, I imagine like helps you become very independent just because yeah. like you, both the job and the like externalities of the job are very complex. Yeah. Um, so something you something else you mentioned earlier was, you know, you said your brother went to modeling school and people told you you had a pretty face. Where I'm sure the message that you got was like, only you have a pretty face. Yeah. So, pretty much. Yeah. You can only imagine I'm half Asian and Chinese women are very small and slender. We don't talk about the thicker girls that are out there at all. Um, I mean, I went to China as a teenager and I was really small. Looking back at photos, I was a very small. I wasn't, I was just tall and curvy, you know? Right. And I remember um, family members, I, I've never met them before. They're, you know, my dad's family members and um, lift like, oh, wow, she's, she's fat. Like they would say that. But for them, it's like not offensive. For them, if you right. think about like their culture, it's like, if you were fat, you weren't in the fields. 
So you were like, you were living life. You were being right. And stuff like that. But like me as a teenager, I was like, <laughs> excuse right. me. Especially coming from America where it's like, yeah, that's yeah. the worst thing you could be. Yeah. Uh, so I guess how did that, how did, you know, that assessment when you were so young affect your body image? Like, did you struggle with that or? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, my brother was always slender. He was skinnier than me. So, and he was very good looking. All the girls loved him. I mean, they would befriend me to try like get at my house <laughs> to hang out with him. Yeah. And it did, it was a little traumatizing, but I think things happen for a reason. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just always was aware. Like I always had to shop at the Missy's, you know, department, which is like, Ugh, it's like, you know, sword through the heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like low rise jeans were traumatic for me. Like, I don't even know what I did. I just like try to make it work. And I try to be very creative growing up. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know. I, re- I read one time that like Posh Spy said to like uh, cut the tags in your jeans so the number didn't like affect you. You know what I mean? I well, remember if she said that. Oh, God. I think she said yeah. that in a book. I just, and, and I, and I did that like for a little bit, you know, but like all, all my friends were, I mean, it was a highly Asian community in like the Bay area. And even like we were, they were just always 90 pounds <laughs> and I was yeah. always bigger. And I just, I was just always a bigger girl, but like, it's so funny looking back. I wasn't, but it did kind of affect me that they chose my brother. Cause they're like, they could only choose one. And I just remember I was like so excited and I wore my cutest little like outfit and um, they just like chose my brother and I had to go. So he went to San Francisco, which was like a treat, you know, right. you go to San Francisco and you like go to have this experience. And my mom would take him and my mom would go shopping while he was there. And I had to go to Chinese school. That's, it sounds very different. Okay. But it wasn't like, mind you, I'm in middle school. I'm going to Chinese school, but I'm going to kindergarten. So like I'm with five or six year olds. So like, it's like wow. the best description is like the scene in Elf where like, <laughs> I'm, I'm buddy and everybody else is like, you know, the small kids learning Chinese and I'm the only half white, half Chinese. So like they already think I can't, they already, they're already, their thought of it. If you're not full Chinese, it's like, you're not Chinese at all. Like you can't speak, you can't do anything. So it's like, it was kind of traumatizing, but you know, like the thing I did win is is like, I speak better Chinese than my brother. So (laughs) do you feel like that? I guess, sort of position of being like, you know, the odd one out where in situations that you were when you were younger. So you feel like that prepared you to give you confidence to do what you're doing now and be like, okay, standing out and unafraid to stand out. Yeah. You know what though? I think when I, when I learned confidence was really in college, I, um, was in a sorority. I joined a sorority because I was the only, I didn't know anybody in college and I don't know. Have you ever been in a sorority? I was in a sorority. Yeah, uh, I'd say, it's funny. So I was actually in one with my co-founders of this company mm-hmm. who I knew from like when I was a child. So it was a sorority, but it was like not the situation where I like – I'll be honest. I didn't even really want to join a sorority. I did it I did it because like all my friends were doing it. Right. But yeah, it was I mean, I, I think I did it for the college experience, but I met these yeah. group of girls that I really clicked with and like that's the reason why I joined them and I was all alone. Yeah in college. So I didn't have any friends. So like, that was my way of kind of making friends, you know, and kind of yeah. like living it's the great. experience. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I mean, I have my own opinions now. I probably be like, a yeah, you know, but like, yeah. uh, the, one of the great things that they taught me 
was how to talk to people because you had to recruit people and they would train you for that and how to create small talk and talk to people. And I really realized it's like, it's not what you look like. It's like how you enter a room and how, like, I realized I was drawn to people that were um, just so like, when they entered, they had confidence. And that was off of just being like talking to everybody, being nice to everybody. And um, I started realizing, I was like, oh, that's how I want to be. And like, that's how, let me try those tactics. So I would try it. And I just noticed that more people were drawn to me and how I was like, oh, I can get guys too. You know what I mean? Like I can get guys look being this big, like it's all about confidence. It doesn't matter what I look like. It mattered like how I carried myself. And then, and I was like testing that out in college and that's how I, I figured it out. And that's how I kind of really became confident. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. What exactly, like, were the techniques and the tactics that you used? Was it, like, prep talking yourself before? Like, how did you actually get yourself to get over that hump? I know a lot of people say prep talk works, but really it was just like walking in the room and owning it and being going up to somebody and say, hi, I'm, I'm Catherine or I'm Katie. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Just making the first word and the eye contact, never like, never right. really being shy, just being really confident and owning what you're saying, you know what I mean? And what you're doing. And the, everybody says that the moment you walk in the room, if you're feeling like hot shit, people are going to think that you're hot shit. And that goes in LA too. And then so what, you know, after college, you go to LA, like you have to walk in those clubs with confidence when you're in your early twenties, you cannot act like you're shy or anything. You know, you really got to like act like you, you, you're the shit. Was there like a time where you push yourself? Like, like where you sort of felt like, I don't feel like I am going to try to act like I feel. Was there like, a point where you just push yourself and said like, fuck this, la- fuck, you, you know, anything holding me back. I'm just going to. Yeah. I think at some point you're like, fuck what, what everybody thinks about me and what they have to say, you know? Right. And right. That, I think that's what that confidence transitioned to. So well, once like, you've been okay. Buddy the Elf, you know, yeah. what can anyone say? Really like, 
you know, once you wear moo's and you you wear your buddy and you do all these things, it's like, it's like, who cares? It's like, what was important to me is that I was living comfortably at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like getting paid. And I'm like, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know? Totally. Totally. I love boss, that. I'm my own boss bitch. I don't care what anybody says. I make my own money. I pay my own bills. I'm like, and, and what, you know? Yeah. You definitely do exude a sense of like calm confidence, like, um, you know, like almost just unquestioning, like not compensating. And there is some, you know, there's a, de- you know, it's definitely like a strong vibe I'm getting from you. Yeah. I mean, I've always been taught, like, um, you know, my mom and dad taught me, like, you need to make your own money. You know what I mean? And, and take care of yourself. Nobody's going to take care, you know, take care of you. It's great if a man can help you, but like, you know, even don't rely on that. Yeah. You should still have your own bank account. So they were instilling that in me from when I was a kid. Uh, My dad escaped China. He came from nothing. So like, he very much was like, no, you need to prepare yourself for anything. I mean, he's experienced the worst from the worst. And my mom didn't come from a well-off family. So that if you think about it, that was kind of um, different for the times. Like when I was growing up, you know, my, that was the, the man was the breadwinner and the woman was taking care of the kids. Um, and my mom was always working. So I've always experienced both parents working, but that's not always common. Um, that's really common now, but if you think about it, it really wasn't that common. Back no, then. that's true. It, that's really, that's some really amazing preparation for yeah. everything you're doing now. But, um, so I want to talk about what you are doing now, especially when it comes to clothing, because a big topic on this podcast has been, the fashion industry, honestly, and how challenging it can be for people in bigger bodies, basically above like a size 12 to find clothing. Like kind of like you were saying, obviously we've come a long way from like Mew Mews and box it's tees. Not enough, it's, it's right. It's not, it's not there yet. It's not really even close to there. And I'll say just some background for myself. Like I was like a size, let's say like somewhere between a six and a 10 for like most of the past 10 to 15 years of my life, mm-hmm. really 10, but uh, 10, 12. But mm-hmm. I, over the pandemic, I kind of, you know, I, I tried to recover from essentially like years of disordered, decades of disordered eating and I gained a lot of weight and I am so, no longer in the normal quote unquote size range. I'm like yeah. a 14, 16 and finding clothing is so challenging, especially like, like, yeah, like I can find an item, but a lot of times they're incredibly expensive, more expensive. Like $500. Than- <laughs> yeah. We're talking like in the 500 to 1000 range for a dress for a wedding. Like that's the, that's what we're talking about. And then there's just so few options. It's like, you're stuck with like, oh, this, I will take, this looks fine, you know? So, but you know, you have really amazing style coming from the same, you know, sort of size range. So I would love to talk about like how you developed your style. How do you like actually find outfits and that kind of thing? Yeah. You know what? I was just like, was I having, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like I'm so frustrated with the fashion industry, even as a model and even as a consumer, because it's like, and even with my PR background, I know it's kind of real and fake. And so I just feel like it's so fake of them to say that they're progressive and inclusive when number one in modeling, they, they cherry pick people. They don't allow an open door of different type of models. They pick certain people. Like why is, and no, no hate on Ashley Graham. She's great. But why is Ashley Graham the only plus size model that we know? Right. Why? 
I'm you know? Yeah, I mean that was she was also the only plus size model. I think who was sort of like before I would say in the past like year or two there's been like obviously like a big push for body inclusivity and I and you see the fashion brands are kind of trying now whereas they weren't trying at all 3 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, there's no maybe there's that's why like because one, there's no There's always one person that they push forward and it's like I could tell you the the three girls they're the, they're from the same modeling agency that they're pushing forward. Um, you know, and, and it's like, they, they have these like check boxes that they're doing. Right. And, um, they don't, it's like a tokenizing. Yeah. And like, what about like younger girls? Like, like what about a younger plus girl that, that can get hit the teens or Mm -hmm. like somebody who looks like me? Like if if they just always, so that's like one thing that really bothers me because they keep saying we want change yet. They're still hiring. Like the bigger brands are still only hiring like those three or four top models from the same big agency that Gigi and all them are coming from to be representation for everybody, but not giving the models that are coming up a chance, you know? And then, and showing it, like, honestly, like, I have the hardest time ever getting to walk a runway. I don't know why. I just don't know why. I've been modeling for nine to 10 years. I've been in vogue for a, a big hair campaign for carousels, and I will not get that opportunity. And I just don't understand why. Do they not? Is there a di- So from just, I guess, your industry background, is there a difference between like a camp, like the campaigns so that you've been doing? an editorial versus runway because I don't even think I've ever seen a, pl- a runway model over a size two, like not even a size eight. I went so- to New York fashion week and I, I only saw and, and when they do include a plus it's one out of yeah. whatever, how many girls. Um, so they I, don't have clothes yeah, for them to wear. I, yeah, I think New York is one of the biggest problems. I think it stems from New York and New York agents and agencies. Like they want to tokenize and pick one girl um, and they're as their favorites instead of giving everybody an opportunity and they're fake. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They're fake. Yeah. And uh, I've seen it and I've experienced how fake they are. They want you to be, they say like, oh, we love plus girls, be whatever. But behind closed lo- doors, they're telling plus girls to lose weight, gain weight, get all this work done and shit like that. Like that is so fake to me, you know? Have you ever been told to like change your body and or your appearance in some way? You know what? I actually had lost a bunch of weight before I became a model off of just being really, uh, I was like a size 10, almost eight, um, not on purpose. I just was really stressed out as a publicist and, um, I just was working and I, I would forget to eat. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's how crazy. Healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually th- I like quit that job happily and I didn't even know I was depressed until I quit that job. And, um, my agent was like, you actually should gain weight to be a size 14. Cause you'll make more money as a size 14. And so I did that. Um, but I always have a strong personality that, and I wouldn't take that shit if they told me like, you need to lose weight. I mean, right. one time in New York, a comment was made like, you should go to Pilates to stretch yourself so you can get taller. <laughs> that's not that's <laughs> like, ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. In college? Cause I feel like that was like the dumbest thing you could say to me. After uh, a certain age, you're only going to get shorter. So. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of agents for me knew I came from a background and I was like very certain about it. I was like, I know how this works and mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. And like, 
it's not going to work for me. Like I'm making decisions here because what happens is, is when a modeling agents gets, gets girls at 18 that have no you know experience and they want it so bad, they're willing to do everything and anything. And they don't have a business sense of background, but little do you know that they're taking a 20% from you and the client. So they're really making 40% and they should be working for you and not you working for them and doing whatever they say. I mean, yeah, it's, it's that's wild. the mentality still though. Like I walk on eggshells still. Like I love my agent now, but like I just from my past experience from my other agencies, I'm very like, oh yeah, I'll do it. Like even though like it's like you have to because they they have control. They, it's yeah. just like it's just this nasty cycle that they're that they have. Um, but I've heard girls get told that they had to get Botox or they had to get nose job, lipo, um, lose a lot of weight. I was just talking to a model yesterday on set and um, she was smaller than me. And she's like, they keep New York is the worst. They keep telling me to lose weight and I'm fine. Like, and she was small. She was small. Right. She's like, I cannot lose another pound. I really can't. Wow. So I feel like New York's the problem. <laughs> I mean, Honestly. I, I don't know that the, that world between like here and there, but just knowing what I do know of it, yeah. Like I don't really see any other, you know, I don't see whose, fa- whose fault it could be other than the people who are at the head of the industry. Right. But I would say the way to make the major change is to really speak up. You know, these past couple of years, we spoke up about not having women of color, especially African-American women and Asian women. Um, I feel like that's still kind of silent. It's not as loud as it as it could be um, in the campaigns and having plus girls. And they've been doing a lot better. But the more we demand it, like, hey, we're not going to buy from you unless you make this change. Right. Um, it's the only way we're going to see change because right now they're saying it, but they're not they're not really doing it. Well, something else that you said that's interesting is that you were like, you know, ASIZ or something. And they were like, you could, your options were to either lose weight or to gain weight. Whereas like, are there not people who are size eight that like want to like see what clothes look like on them? Like, it's just sort of, it's, it's even a little bit ridiculous that it has to be like plus or there was no such thing as mid-sizes. Like now there's a such thing as mid-size. But I could tell you this. If you're a model right now and you're a size 14, you're most likely um, – and you fit a lot of criteria, you could probably get signed in L.A. But you you they prefer in New York a size 10 and 8. Interesting. Period. As as mid-size, even though that's just no, kind of like – plus. If you go and look, that's plus. Anything over like a size 4 or 6, you're plus. That is just – wild because there's no such thing as a mid-size like anything like there's not a board that's like mid-size you would just be added to the plus board while we're on this topic of like categorization okay so we've been talking about up to like a 14 what about mm-hmm. people who are like a 28 like wh- like where is they that still, they might get signed and they might get like a few jobs here and there, but they're probably not working as much as a size fourteen. But I mean, um, what about clothing? Even like, I'm not even, I'm not like models. Yes, but what clothing is there for them to model? Is my question. Like, so no, but like, okay, like for example, like Torrid. Okay, you know, not my favorite store, but I've modeled for them before. They're really nice people, but 
they offer larger sizes and they just started including models in a size 22 or, you know, and up, but typically they don't add a model like that. It's always size 14 when you go on the thing, because that's what sells in their mind. You know what I mean? It's sort of the equivalent of like what a, like a size 12 looking at a size two. Yeah. In terms of like how inaccurate it is. It, it, yeah, I know. And you'll never see that. Yeah. You'll never see it. I mean, I know another another place that kind of does it is like skims, but they don't even go to a size 22. Yeah. I mean, the, it's the least that the Kardashians can do. And the same goes for Good American after they've like kind of completely appropriated black culture and they also can clearly afford it. So it's, you know, a lot of companies say they can't afford it. That, well, it's crazy because like, if you go on their website – they say like, oh, look at like, if you're a size 12, you could look at a model who's a size 12 to like, kind of like mm-hmm. do it, but they stop at a size 14. Right. I, don't, I just noticed that yesterday. Cause I was like, purchase, I was cyber Monday shopping yeah. and I wanted to actually to purchase something from skims and, um, cause they do have some great pieces. And what I really like is they have those neutral pieces that you really can't find anywhere else. Like, you know, like the, the brown shades and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, oh, I want to – their sizing is a bit off. I'm like, am I a 1X or a 2X? Yeah. I, yeah I'm a 2X there. Yeah. I'm a 2X right. there. I and never – I'm really – yeah, I'm also not really like sure what is a 1X, what is a 2X because there's even less consistency with those sizes than there are in regular sizes. Oh, that, that's like completely inconsistent. So there's like what I would say junior plus, which is like the Forever 21, the Fashion Novas of the world. Their 1X is a size 14. But then there's like the Lane Bryant's of the world and um, the Walmarts and like the Kmart's and their one X is like a 16, 18. Right. And there's no real, unless you want to like get a measuring tape out. But honestly, something else I've noticed is that a lot of size guides on different websites don't even have the measurements for like an XXL on it. And it's clear that they just like sort of added it. Maybe they didn't even properly measure it, you, which is something I find doing, also. Especially in the fast fashion world. And I, I actually briefly own like an online boutique. So I know like before, before even a lot of people had plus size, um, plus size departments. Cause I know, cause they try to ask me to consult for them. This is what they do. They go to downtown LA and they go to their makers, you know, all those people, and they're already making the straight size clothes for them. So they're like, hmm, okay, just mark it up like three or four inches. That's what they're doing. Um, but so that doesn't work. Like It doesn't work. And that's why sometimes when you order from them, it's a really hit or miss because they're not yeah. actually fitting. They don't really care about fit. They care about profit. And so <laughs> they don't care if you return it. It's like, you know, it's true. Like, yeah. like, like you can tell when brands are just jumping on because, you know, plus size is like, a, a mil, I think it's a billion dollars now, you know, in the fashion um, industry. And you can just tell, like, I've seen it. They don't like, I, even I wear stuff. I'm like, who the hell is wearing this? Like, there's not even like, it's like a romper where there's not even one hand length underneath my butt. You know what I mean? Like you didn't fit this. Right. You didn't fit this. Like you really didn't try this on multiple bodies. What you did is you went to your your person, your um, wholesaler, and just like sized it up three inches or four inches. 
Which is what's wild because you would think that the people who make clothes know that it doesn't work like that. Like that's not how human body proportions work. A lot of brands have been struggling in the plus size department because they're like, oh, I'm making this clothes, but I'm not understanding why it's not doing as well as I thought it would do. Well, how hard would it be to get a, to get a fit model in those sizes? Yeah. It's a lot of money for them. That's why, because they go, plus it's extra uh, fabric and then like to hire different types of models, like they, you know. I could refute that. If you really think about it, if you look at models, there's only one body type that does really well um, and curve and that's like the the hourglass shape, which is not typical with a flat stomach. Like I don't have a flat stomach for the life of me. But like, there's a lot of the girls that are working a lot right now. I've noticed, and when I'm going online and shopping myself, as because like right now as an influencer, all I do is shop. Like that's online yeah. shopping because I'm trying to find things for everybody. Yeah, and I've noticed that the plus models are just like very hourglass shape. Like their your their bodies are unique. Like they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking right. unique though, and they have the flattest stomach. And I'm just like, uh. Right. That's not like a proportional body. That's what I think is like, yeah, they don't gain weight proportionally. And because, yeah. and that's sort of like why they're chosen, I think, probably because like that is sort of like it's from the male tactic. gaze. Like, well, it's a selling yeah. tactic. I'll tell you this when I used to have a store, I would try something on and um, a girl who's 3X would say, like, I'm going to look like that's what happens. Like, I'm going to look like that model. Mm-hmm. They would tell me that, like, I'm a 3X. I'm going to look like I'm going to – what size are you wearing? And I was like, no, you're not my size, you know? But, like, that's the that's the tactic that they know that people are doing. Like, right. they think they're going to look like that. And what is also so upsetting about it is that – so there's so few options in those sizes to begin with. And then because they're po- poorly fitted, you can only wear things that run, quote, unquote, large because – you need that extra give in the clothing because they weren't actually fitted to your size. So it's just – and I'm so happy that you're here to like elucidate basically like how it actually goes down in terms of like the manufacturing piece of it. But it has been so disappointing to like go on a website and like I just look don't for- think they care. They don't care enough. They just like, they really don't care. It's like Zara, like you really don't care. Like all your extra larges are sold out every time. So like, is it that tell you something? Right. Like, you don't <laughs> care to the, the thing. You don't care to make our, our size. It's like, I would love to wear all Zara if I could. Yeah. It's I mean, they don't, do they not care about money that they could make? Like you said, it's a billion That's dollar That's why it's industry. so confusing. But like when I, when I kind of am on set and kind of listening and talking to them, like, why aren't you doing this like that? Like, it's all like, they're not confident in it. And like, they don't want to spend the money into really like grading it because it costs them a lot of production money to do it. Probably also people who work in fashion are affected by the body image standards of working in fashion. And they probably like secretly like having some innate fat phobia. Yeah, that too. Because like, if you think about it, like uh, Zara only uses very like her, her, no shame to her. That's how she is. But her arm is like, 
it's it's smaller than mine. I can't even compare it to any part of my body. Like her thigh is probably my arm. You know, it's like so not realistic um, for people. And I like if you go on TikTok, that's like that's why a lot of Zara videos do well because they're like when you do like what I bought versus you know what I got, and you show it on their body. Like it's actually really the influencers that are selling Zara stuff than really the models itself, in my opinions. Like I have to imagine when I look at Zara stuff, I'm imagining like. I'm looking at, oh, I know wrap dresses look good on me. So this wrap dress here potentially could look really good on me. You know right. what I mean? Like, I always have to think, like, really, like, yeah. look at my like, where is this hitting on her body? And, like, how is it hitting? And then, like, imagine it. And then sometimes it's a hit or miss every time. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been trying to, like, train myself to do too. But this would be, I think, a good time to kind of, I guess, share how you, like, go about shopping for a larger body. a lot of time on the computer like I don't limit myself I go to places that I like okay for example Zara has really really cute belts for affordable prices that I use for every a lot of my outfits and they don't fit me but I got a belt puncher from Amazon and I punched another hole and I made it fit like I had to be really creative about that stuff Okay, like what what okay, that's actually like a really that's a that's like a great tip. So like what are sort of things like that either like that you're able to kind of finagle yourself or like different ways to shop? The best or, way know. for to, to do your closet as a plus girl. And this is like and I guess you have to have the same aesthetic as me in a sense. I like simple looks and I like to elevate those simple looks to make kind of look like a rich bitch like I spent some yeah. money on my outfit. Okay. We all like to look like a rich bitch. Yeah. I get staple pieces. So like a camel peacoat, that's staple, right? A black blazer, that's staple. And then I go in that like, that's the first layer is like coats and dresses. Staple pieces are that way, right? Then you go in and then you go, okay, where can I get basics at? Like Old Navy has really great basics. You know, James has really, yeah. Scams is starting to have kind of expensive, but have amazing basics, you know? Um, I actually really like Banana Republic quality wise. And if you hit them on a good sell, like that's good too. They have really good basics. And then you can start layering it, you know, and take your neutral basics and start adding that Pico or adding that biker jacket and really elevating. And then you have these really statement belts that I'm getting from Zara. Maybe I'm putting it around my waist or um, on my basic jeans and t-shirt, you know, and then like shoes. I mean, you can kind of get that anywhere, right? Right. Some people, unless you have wide feet, but (laughs) or calves statement shoes anywhere. And then from there, really to elevate that look further, it's like gold accessories, like earrings. Like, honestly, if I took this off, I'd be really basic. But this really added something for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my my outfit's super basic right now. I have gray jeans and this like pink sweater. Just adding this, you know, kind of elevates it a little bit more, adding maybe more rings to it. And then um, I, I always get one designer. I, well, I have more than one designer bag, but like I would suggest like one classic designer bag. And right. And then like really just like pulls everything together. I will tell you that's something that as I've had more trouble buying clothing, something I have done is buy a lot of like bags, coats. Some, I'm not but really you know, like a shoe I used person, to buy but- a lot of bags, but what I really realized that one like black and gold YSL. Or that yeah. one Chanel bag, classic Chanel bag. Like every, and you could wear sweats and you're wearing that. And that shit is just like chef's kiss. You know what I yes. mean? And you yes. don't need to get expensive hoops. Like these are from Amazon. You know what I mean? They were like yeah. super cheap. 
but like it, it just like brings in that little extra umph, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, something else is that like I used to feel like, okay, I can just kind of – when I was in like a smaller body, I felt like, okay, I can just kind of do jeans and a t-shirt. I don't need to like look at my jewelry or like concentrate so much on my makeup or my hair even. like, And it just felt like, okay, this is, you know, acceptable. But something I have been doing is like concentrating so much more on like, I'm going to actually try to do my makeup. I'm going to look go in my jewelry and look at like, we maybe we can so switch hard. it up. And I hate doing my makeup. <laughs> you probably had it done too many times in your life. Yeah, and I just like – I am from the Bay Area. Like we would go to Target and not look – like look how we want to look like. You know, like here in LA, it's like people are at Target and they're damn near in like hills and shit like that. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. But those things do make a huge difference is what I've been finding. They make like, a huge difference on how you feel and how you start your day too. You know what right. I mean? Like I think you just take that as instead of me like trying – instead of doing it for everybody else, do it for yourself. You know what I mean? Like do something cute for yourself. Right. But you don't that always have to piece. do. You could just – like sometimes I just like wearing like a cute workout outfit. That helps. Yes. Totally. Like a mat it matches or like a cute Be bra. open to it. Like you could take a cute Nike Fabletics black, you know, uh, set and put like a cute puffer with it or a, your camel peacoat that we were just talking about over it and wear like a black LA hat with like your Chanel purse and like elevated. There you go. You look elevated. You look like an influencer off of Pinterest. It's true. You know? a, a hat. Oh my gosh. I love a hat. It really like a cool ha- cowboy hat. Like I want to get like a cowboy you- hat today actually because I've like, really? been thinking about that. Um, but like even like what's really into is like gloves, like the, you know, long gloves. Like do you have a black simple dress where you can wear like like you go to Amazon has all the colors. So whether it's like a baby blue or a black, and they even have the ones with the um, the fur, or you could even make them with the um, feathering around Oh, it. that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, like you have to be super creative. Like how can I make it myself? Or like we dissect the outfit. Like I've done a lot of videos where it's like this look in a size 14. There's a lot of celebrity looks. Haley Bieber is the best because she, t- she tells you – she's not necessarily like somebody like I – I'm older than her. So it's not like something I'm like looking into, but like her fashion wise, it's like very basic. Like Mm -hmm. she does a white turtleneck with like black jeans and she puts like a cool coat with it and she looks cool. She always looks great. So another thing that I feel like there's this sort of, um, you know, there's this, it used to be like people in bigger bodies have to wear black to cover, you know, to, to shadow, keep it all hidden. What are your what is your kind of take on like pops of color? Like how do you utilize bright colors and fabrics to kind of get away I mean, from that like let's go with black feeling? I love a good like statement dress. Yeah. Like a red or like it honestly, you could wear any color. It really just goes down to fit. Finding fit. a dress with a good fit. And I find like ASOS has a really good selection sometimes. Like you have to continuously shop it. Um, for your more knits and basics, that's like maybe H&M, but that's still kind of neutral. Sometimes they have pops of color. Meshki is, they're not entirely plus yet actually, but I'm praying that they will be, but they have really great dresses. Um, and they're noticing actually, I think more like for the past two years that I've worked with them that they're like, oh, these plus girls are looking really good in our dresses. Like we need to expand. So I think they probably are going to be working on that. Um, but I think you could add pops of colors like in a sweater or if you could even do it in a jean, 
mm-hmm. um, and then do a neutral top. Like mm-hmm. there was this whole phase, I would say like three or four months ago where people were wearing like a really cute hot hot pink pant, but then they were wearing like a white shirt and it was kind of cute. Yeah, that was a summer, it's a all summer how vibe. You it with your accessories. That's all I can tell you. You can wear something really wild, but you you know, like a wild print or color and you belt it or something with like a really like elegant looking elevated belt and jewelry, like you can really like elevate the look. That's awesome. What about um what about tailoring? Do you do a lot of like alterations? Do you do you or do you kind of like jeans. you do it on your jeans? And some dresses. I probably should be better at it, but like my Asian cheap mentality is like, don't spend money on, on I it. don't know. I know what you like. I even said it. I'm like, oh, fuck, how much is that going to run to you? It is. I was thinking about like getting my own sewing machine and like taking a freaking class because like it's so expensive, but I tend to have a smaller waist and then it kind of goes out a little bit. So my jeans always have the gapping. And I'd say the, mm-hmm. the Abercrombie, and I hate to say it because like, Abercrombie was like the most traumatizing store for me growing up, but they've really, and there's this whole article about it now, how they've like, were at its top and they went down and now they're at their top again. Um, Yeah. Their jeans are amazing. Really? Okay. That is like, I 100% advocate for it. I love the 90s jeans because I, I don't hate skinnies, but I'm like, they're not that comfortable (laughs) for me. Yeah. I, like I feel a very like tight, and sometimes I feel like my body starts looking weird in them. I think they're great for boots, but when mm-hmm. you start pairing it with sneakers, it kind of is like you have two like chopstick legs. You know yes. what I mean? And then <laughs> yeah. Like, so I, I kind of face. I really like a lot of straight jeans right now, and so like the Abercrombie nineties are like the best. That's they're amazing. Worth the money. I'm gonna check them out. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna yeah. literally check out everything you. And told I hate me to say it because like the trauma. You know what I mean. <laughs> You know what? But here's the thing. Like if we want people like Aber- – you know, we want companies like Abercrombie to change. So we – you know, I'm happy to, you know, give them all the props if that's something that they've successfully done because there's so many brands. I'm like, can you please just like make a bigger size? Yeah, I know. Oh, you know what? The biggest tip is looking at men's clothes. Interesting. I never even like, like thought of it. My blazer that I get the most compliments on is a men's blazer that I got vintage shopping. And my army pants that I always get a compliments on compliments on is a men's pants from Nike. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Like and then I just got those I got I did get those tailored because men's body is like straight and there's yeah. no curve to it. So like if you size up, then you can kind of tailor it in the waist so you can kind of give you, yourself some shape. But definitely, like, I wear my my uh, fiancé's T-shirts all the time. He has the best, like, band T-shirts and, like, you know, basketball T-shirts that are, like, super cool that he's been collecting throughout the years. And I love wearing those. That's awesome. And some of his jackets, too. Yeah. Look at men's stuff. I would never limit yourself to that. Thank you so much, Katie. This has been the ultimate pleasure. For everyone else, you can follow Katie at Katie Lee, C-A-T-I-E-L-I. You can follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow, me at Sammy. And of course, we're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to DST at Betches.com. Batches.